Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week we're live or live or recorded. It's a live show. It's a live show. You got to get closer. You, how long have you been? We've been doing this for I two years. You still fig- uh, since Kansas City. You still haven't um, figured this out. This is the live show, though. You know, we got we're out here at uh, the Middletown Village facility. <laughs> the what? The wait, wait, Whitfield? Are we at <laughs> Middletown Village? Oh, okay, Middletown Village Park, Middletown Village, whatever you want to call it, MV. Yeah, we got uh, Kyle Graves with us. Yes, you do. Facilities director. What's up, Kyle? <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we today? Beautiful day out here doing an outside podcast. Yeah. Thanks for checking out these in, beautiful fields. Thanks for bringing us into your facility, man. You got the <laughs> robot going, painting fields, goals look good. Yeah. Multitasking. That's yeah. what it's all about. There you go. That's good. No, I mean, it's that's what the that's why we got the robot. I mean, that's why Kyle's out here painting fields and recording the podcast at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's talk about Rec. Rec started. Let's talk about Rec. Uh, we've got like 500 players. We've got a ton of teams. Everybody kicked off last week. Um, a lot of goals being scored. A lot of players having fun. So, um, you know, last weekend was the kickoff week. So now we're in the groove. We're moving. Um, you know, I think we had five U14 games at Middletown Village last week. So that's we exciting. We did. Um, and we're just get, getting through the season. And like I said before, before you know it, we're going to be gearing up for 3v3. So um, just keep checking our Facebook page. We're going to try to upload pictures every week. Um, hopefully we get some footage of some goals and just, you know, looking forward to that rec program. And then, um, Kyle, the discovery program kicked off. Yeah. So under the full our, Saturday. Yes. So under the recreation program, we also have our discovery program, uh, for our youngest players, our U three to U six, uh, players. So we were also over at Odessa. Uh, luckily we get the turf. Um, so nicest, uh, nicest spot over there. So, uh, early arrival for the coaches, um, got everything set up. Welcome just about 150 of our youngest soccer players and, you know, a great first week. So we've got some returning coaches, have some new coaches coming in. We've got some of our uh, travel soccer players that are continuing their coaching pathway. Um, so just a really, really good first week. Um, and, uh, you know, now we're ready for week two. Week one's always a lot of extra just with check in and, you know, getting their Delaware Union discovery shirts to them, which is probably the highlight of their day every, you know, every season. So, um, you know, just looking forward to a, a great season, some positive weather, um, hopefully get it in, uh, you know, with with no major interruptions. Yeah, I will say that um, uh, my kids enjoyed being outside. I don't know how much they actually participated, but that's on them, not on not on not on the program. That's just on them wanting to not participate and just do their own thing um but yeah so we're excited for it we'll obviously be out there tomorrow again um and, and i enjoy just kind of for that little bit of time just kind of being a dad and not not have to worry about anything else just kind of being there and and getting to watch them play or not play really for what it was last weekend <laughs> yeah i heard your kids are not playing no kids are <laughs> yeah. not playing and that That's, spread that, that that news spreads fast when my kids don't play yeah, yeah. But that's the beauty of the program, right, is the idea that um, it's an exposure program. Um, it's grassroots. You know, I've talked to some parents that were in similar situations that were like, oh, my gosh, my kid, you know, really didn't participate as much as I thought. And I mean, they're again, we just said they're U3 to U6. Yeah, um, that's expected. And it, they, they tend to, you know, grow into the program. And, you know, every kid, you know, certain weeks, you know, kids are going to have different uh you know, different desires, but you know, that's the beauty of it. But when they're engaged and when they're all out there, there's, there's nothing better than seeing, you know, a field full of, you know, the youngest, the youngest soccer players. And, and that's where it all begins. Yeah, absolutely. And some of those kids only look forward to those weeks where you play their favorite game. 
Right. Yeah. That is very that, true. That is very like if you're not playing that favorite game, they're checked out. They don't want to play. <laughs> but you second you say, you know, sharks and minnows, and that's their game. That's what they came here for. Hungry, hungry hippos. Hungry, hungry hippos yeah. is another popular one. Yeah, they're they're all in. They're locked in. They're ready to go. So yeah, that's part of it as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I think that's also all all players, right? We we coach travel teams, and the moment they they know exactly what you set up. And that's like their one favorite game or fun favorite activity. They would get pumped up too. Oh, I definitely played the 2010 girls this week because they thought we were scrimmaging <laughs> all day. We did with some parameters and some things that I needed to get done. I mean, you got to go to goal, but yeah. with some restrictions. So yeah. Well, um, we also kicked off our our league season with the majority of our teams, except for Dwayne, who <laughs> who's on the three by week schedule. I wanna, yeah, I got a lot of bye weeks. <laughs> Team, teams are running. I'm going to just put this out there on the record. Teams are running from the 2010 girls. I'm going to just put that out there. <laughs> so if there's anybody out there that wants to play a 2010 girls team, U13 girls team around here, we'll come to you. Like, But everybody else is running. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so overall, and I, and I think that's the – so I got I got a lot of feedback, and I got to watch a couple games. Um, so I got to watch the 09 girls uh, Navy team play. I got to obviously coach the 2012 girls Navy team. Um and, you know, I also got some feedback from, so my dad got to ref soccer dance game and then uh, <laughs> his central league game. And, uh, and also, he also got to ref the 2012 boys game. Did your dad get the center fees for their dance game? <laughs> he did. Oh, he's a savage. Cause he was, I know, I know there was a time conflict, but he straight up was just holding that flag and he had a whole half of not doing a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> he ran off with some money there. Well, yeah, the other referees give it to him. The center referee offered it to him. My dad doesn't care. The center ref gave it to him. Though. Your dad is a slide double, man. <laughs> <laughs> he needed to care. He, like he told him, he's like, no, no big deal. But now give it to him. He did try to switch with him, and he said, nah. So he tried to he tried to say he tried to say, well, if you do this center, I'll do the next center. Oh no, no, no. He up those EDP no. Nah. <laughs> he was looking at the fees for EDP. He was like, oh yeah, I'm keeping this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my dad, my dad, my dad's feedback was when I give it, and I told Anthony this as well. He absolutely loved the 2012 game. He said it was really fun to ref um, because it was so fast. Oh yeah, it was it was super fast. We need to start selling tickets to that game. Yeah, we could have made some money selling tickets. Like yeah. I would have, I would have paid a ticket for a ticket. Yeah, probably use my coach's pass to get in for free. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was definitely an exciting game. Um, it's just good to see what that group's doing. Um, they definitely played a good competition level team with Lower Marion. It was very back and forth. Um, I didn't think I don't think they got the result in the second half, but I think when I left, it was tied one one, or the other team had just went up two one. But it was very back and forth. Yeah, it was one of those games where it was just one pass. You're one pass away from scoring. You're one touch away from scoring. It was just, <laughs> hey, those little marginal moments. It's a very, it was a very exciting game. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the upside, right? So the, all of our teams were competitive this past weekend. That that got to play. Um, our 2012 girls orange team won their game. Um, our 08 girls were competitive, even though they didn't get the result they were looking for. Uh, 09 girls teams both both teams won their game. The 2012 Navy team tied their game. So like overall. Our, our teams were competitive which is good that's what ultimately what we want i think um you know it's tough it's tough and and this is goes to any environment in in soccer or youth soccer right like it's tough to gauge what level you're supposed to be at and in, in, in the league when you have a league with like five to six different divisions 
um, you know, with eight teams per division, like you're you're talking, you know, 40 to 50 teams that you're trying to figure out where do you fit in to get the most competitive environment. And the most competitive environment doesn't mean I want to win every single game eight nothing. It's like I want to have good games. I want to have games that are two, three, three, two, two, one, one, nothing, one, one, two, two, things like that. Like I want to have competitive games. I don't want to lose, but I'm okay losing two one and saying, <laughs> hey, look, we just didn't finish or Hey, we just got countered. We didn't drop fast enough. So that way we have something to work on in training. Well, and and that motivates the players to say, hey, look, we were better than this team. We lost 2-1. We got hit on one counterattack. Coach Dwayne or Coach Kyle or Coach Sebastian is working on, with us to fix that problem. And next time we play this team or next time we're in this situation, we're going to dominate. Yeah. And I think the perfect example of that is, um, you know, Sebastian got to watch the 2012 game on film. And it was a very lopsided victory for us. But when you looked at it on film, first of all, I think with our youngest age groups, to your point, Sebastian, about finding the right level, you don't have those that history of comparisons as much yet. So, I mean, the, the length of conversations we've had at times trying to figure out where we should go, where we should be, who we should play, um, you know, those conversations at the youngest age groups, there's a lot of unknowns um, with that said, um, you know, our victory with the 2012 team. It, that was not a seven goal victory if you watch it on film. And so when you look at what that team is looking at, that's a team that's looking back, probably saying we're still at the right level. Um, it just wasn't our day. And I told Sebastian, my immediately thought after the game was, I can't believe what that score was. It was a way closer game. I'm interested to see it on film. And I, I believe that was your take from the game. Well, not only that, I think, so I think this happens, it, it kind of bookends it, right? So at the youngest age groups, um, specifically at U9, U11, and at maybe at times at U13, less at U13, but definitely U9 and U11, and then probably at like U17 and U18. You end up with games that end up being like super high scoring games, sometimes lopsided, but that's not the true indication of what happened in the game, right? But that happens at those age groups. A, because you're still trying to figure things out. B, because you don't always have a goalkeeper. Um and at the oldest age groups is because three or four bad moments can lead to three or four bad goals just because it's a it's a morale confidence thing. Or you just have players at that age group that know what they're doing and you make one bad pass, they're sneaking that pass. Yeah. And they're burying it on you. And that's just what they do. And yeah. That's, that's their MO. That's their job. Yeah. Depending on the level that you play. And then so it's so it's not always an indication. That's why it's so difficult to um to recap of, you know, when you talk about like, oh, how do we do in a tournament? It's so difficult to recap it if you're just looking at the result. It, it goes deeper into that, which I think it's helpful for us from a coaching standpoint to have game film, right? Like if I were just to look up by the, the score of the, the the 2012 girls team, which I didn't get to see because I was coaching the other team. um, I was like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. You won 7-1. But then watching the game film and you know, I talked I talked to Kyle about it, watching the game film. I'm like, OK, well. All right, there's some things to definitely work on just because we scored a bunch of goals. It doesn't mean like it could just be a a it's kid soccer, right? So you, we can't say that there's anything predictable about kid soccer. It's unpredictable. doesn't matter how good or bad you think you are. It's kid soccer like it, you you cannot control kids when yeah. I mean, you can't control anybody, really. But but realistically, that's the hardest part, right? Obviously, at the professional, the collegiate level, there's more things that you have control over. But realistically, with kid soccer, there's kids a lot of unknowns. It's a lot of unknowns, right? And, if kid doesn't, I mean, we're still very early in the season too. So yeah. I mean, 
I mean, you, no telling, like, you know, we've been out here training probably three or four, probably a month now, but no telling when these other teams, our other opponents just started training or if they ever stopped training. Um, you know, we were close to the beach, so we always have that as a disadvantage where there's players that just go to the beach all summer. You know, we don't see them until the week or two before school. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But we just can't control being, I mean, we control being close to the beach, but we just can't control that people have beach houses or they spend a lot of their time vacationing. Um, so there's no telling what, you know, what these other clubs have gotten into. That's why it's good during the middle of the season, you know, to see in the end of the season to see where you are because, you know, everybody's played their season. Everybody's played either in a competitive or non-competitive environment. Um, and then you get to gauge yourself. That's why those November tournaments are just so crucial. Yeah. And awesome. I think going back to the film idea, both for <laughs> coaches and players, I know what it does for me is it allows me to rewatch the game, taking the emotion out of it. We already know the end result. So the exact same thing happened that we were talking about at the tournament, Sebastian and I, I think we got done with the game and oh, yeah. we immediately said, Hey, that wasn't, wasn't a bad showing, which it, it still wasn't, it wasn't, but we said, I think it was relatively level. And then we watched the film. And even though the scoreline was one to zero, it was about as far from even as you could be, which is a testament to the girls that they kept it a one on game and our goalkeeper. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's it. And then also like just the power of film for the players, obviously my girls play within the club and, you know, being able to stop and show them things. Um, you know, I don't think we're really going to bear the fruit of that until they get older and you realize, you know, the soccer IQ and just the ability to critique oneself and understand I did A, and that was okay, but option B was a great option. I think that's the hardest thing with young players is, you know, helping them see there's nothing wrong with what you did, but look at the, look what were what were the other options so they're not doing the same thing repeatedly. And I had that conversation with my daughter Quinn this week, and I said, look, what you did here was fine, but I froze the film show me what you see here. And she picked out those other couple things and it just, it start it's giving them ideas with themselves and there's no better teacher than yourself and being able to kind of review your performance. So. Exactly. I, I used that as a tool last year when we had like the rainouts and stuff with um, the U 13 boys or the U 14 boys. Now, you know, just showing them, you know, transitioning to 11 v 11 and using a bigger field, just showing them, Hey, look, like I get it. This is your option. You're looking right here. But if you, again, use your front foot, those basic principles, open up, see the field, switch the field. Now look what my option becomes. Look where you go. Um, I think, you know, just the VO having that, you know, above view really helps. It's like almost watching the game on TV where you can just see above. You can see your lines. You can see where players are. You just see all those support options. And again, it just helps our players be able to drive their own decision making. Yeah, 100 um, percent. All right. Should we move on? Can. We could talk about video analysis. <laughs> <laughs> did you know? Fun fact. Did you know? Well, I think you do know because I've talked about it on the podcast. But do you know I'm a certified uh, 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 game analyst? I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah. So we're going to get you out here for next time we have a bunch of games out here. We're going to have you out here commentating. No, 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 no. Like, like for like game analysis for like uh, for review? like for review. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm certified through the international. Sports analysis, performance, something, ISAPS or something like that. What's up? I have like level one certification. No, you're down there. You're at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, just I took a course and, you know, I passed. I got that diploma. I got the diploma. I got the certificate. So, you know, but yeah, I have a 
Kyle, any certifications or you just went to Best Buy and got that TV? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the D for diploma guy. Steve <laughs> um, Rose out here with like a 60-inch TV. <laughs> got both benches out here. Doing um, so, all right. So let's move on. I, I wanted to talk about, um, and this is, this is something that will be really interesting because um, this is something that I, I learned as I moved to the United States. And obviously you guys kind of grew up with, with this concept more than I did. Um, so Todd, uh, Bowley is the new, uh, owner or co-owner of Chelsea. Okay. And he's been there for a hundred days. And this past couple of days, he's been a topic of conversation in the news because he has gone out to make some remarks about how, uh, the premier league can learn from American sports. Uh, American sports can learn from the premier league. I mean, I think <laughs> I, before you even go into it, I think there are things that you can take away from both. It's just about how you like English football is like historic. Yeah, it's it's, the well, temp- it's where it came from. <laughs> it's the, it's the template, you know. So you can't go and say we have stuff to learn from MLS. They could take things back to improve the game or change the game or modernize the game, but there's just no, there's nothing that they can learn. They're the template. We're based off of what they do in England. Yeah. So so here's what what ended up happening i mean we should just be thankful philadelphia union are 95th the 95th best club in the world <laughs> yeah so he made some comments this past week um where th- there's some things that that we can nitpick on the fact that he he called la masia la messiah um because is, is that a, is that a dig at messiah college <laughs> I, I don't know what it is but but he called them that he also said that um that every premier league club is north of a few hundred million dollars or million didn't specify whether it was pounds or or dollars as far as like their net worth which is an incorrect statement considering that uh manchester city uh is 190 million dollars so they don't even break 200 million and a club like norwich uh is 113 million dollars so again we can we we don't have to necessarily talk about that um he also thought that Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah came out of the Chelsea youth system, which they didn't. (laughs) 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 Um, They were, they were Chelsea loan players that you go out every year and loan. I mean, you can make a start. You can literally make a world-class starting 11 of Chelsea loan players. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he did bring up the fact that he would like to see a uh, promotion relegation system in the United States. Or a relegation playoff system, which we'll talk about that in a second. And his big idea, and this is the this is the big one I want to talk about first, is the Premier League All Star Game. I I do think now that we're in the age of TV money, that the Premier League All Star Game would definitely bring in money. It would one hundred percent bring in money. Now the North South. This is the one I do. I I saw that North South. <laughs> I mean, you got to London's going to have the best team like London, the, whatever side. I don't know what side London's. On. I think it's, it's north. I have no idea. I think northern London's north and Manchester and Liverpool are southern. Uh, sure. Let's go. But I'm just yeah, London, London, south, London, south. I'm looking at a map right now. So, but or no, Manchester and Liverpool are north then, right? Yes. So do those London clubs. There's a lot of clubs in London. There's what five or six, four or five clubs in London. Uh, there's I've like I've ever seen the map of, of it's like what Arsenal, Tottenham, uh, 
Chelsea, Crystal Palace. There's four right there. There's got to be more than that. Oh, there's there's a lot more. There is so uh, I'm pulling up. There's a there's a very famous map. London's going to be a powerhouse of London of London football clubs. Um, now Manchester's going to have the star power, but I think they also said what is it? One or two players from every club. Yeah, something like that. Um, that that's not going to work. So you have you have Chelsea, Arsenal. Um, looks like Brighton. Uh, hold on, let me find a better map because I can't. This picture was not one. It's not very good. Um, so you have Chelsea, Fulham, uh, Brentford. Um, let's see. Uh, Brentford, Crystal Palace, West Ham, uh, Spurs, Arsenal. Um, I mean you have QPR, even though they're not they're not in the Premier League anymore. Uh, but you but you do have you do have Q, QPR. Uh, but yeah, I mean you you have a you, there are there are a decent amount of clubs within within the London area. That, London versus the South or no London the is north, South north, the yeah. North. Yeah, which I mean Manchester's and then also and also you have Brighton, the South Southampton, Bournemouth. Is all south, and then if you start going north, uh, then you have Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, uh, Newcastle, Burnley, so, Burnley, Middlesbrough. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, I what I would don't want to see. A one thing that I've I've always disliked, uh, specifically on the MLS All Star stuff and all that stuff that they do is I don't ever want to see a middle of the match interview <laughs> with a player uh a la brad guzan in the middle of the game talking to whoever it was taylor tolman or whatever it was i don't want to see that don't yeah. don't want to see that uh two i don't particularly care to see a skills challenge competition mm, i think that's that's appealing i think if you're again you got to do it the right way i know in england like the game is is there like you don't really need the exposure as you would in America. Like I think in America, it's more of an exposure thing to see the athletes, but I think it's cool. Like if you did it, you know, the right way you do it for a bunch of kids who maybe don't have the ability to go to a game that I, I could get behind that. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, you maybe bring all the school kids in and you do the skills challenge there. And you just have them as the audience, pack it out, make it Nickelodeon style <laughs> kids commentators. Someone, someone gets slimed. Yeah. Someone gets slimed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I there's Slime Raheem Sterling. There's something about there's something about the idea of of yeah, I don't know. It 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 almost takes the essence away. I mean, again, I think the purpose of it is just to make more money and sell it on TV and just get more people like you know what I mean, just generate more money. And yeah. what are you generating more money towards? That's the question. Well, right, right. Yeah. I mean, what would, would happen if you did, you know, the bet like ML or not MLS All Star All Stars from each country. So like you said, hey MLS, Mexico, you know Bundesliga, Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, and uh, League One, and then did an All Star or did like an All Star tournament. What would you get there? Yeah, but so here's the thing. Here's but here's <laughs> but there's the already thing. so many other tur- because soccer has the international stage. Yeah. That's right? the hard That's part, right? the difference in other sports. The All Star game is. The pinnacle of it. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah, and it it's it, it's a different way to showcase what you are, you know, outside of that. But with soccer, the unique thing with soccer is it's so big at the club level, 
but then it's obviously even bigger at the international stage. So that's where, you know, um, you're spot on. It's about money. Money. Um, But does it, does it need it? And where is that going? And how can you do it so that it's not just gimmick? Well, that's the thing, right? Like we all know what the, what basketball NBA all-star game has turned into now. Like, with yep. if you reach a certain amount of points, you can like. The, granted, there's money for charity involved in it, which is nice, but but like, it, like there's no defense being played. There's 100, yeah. 170 points being scored. I think the, like, bas- I mean, what's it going to be? Like a ten to nine game? But the basketball All Star game is also. I think it's about All Star weekend and just getting the break, and then like just the players being around. Like I think their All Star weekend, the focus is different. It's like the players being around each other and hanging yeah. out with each yeah. other. That's what that, and then like you think about the NFL, the Pro Bowl is the end of the season, so it's like that. Hey man, haven't seen you great season this year. Nice to play with. I don't think I've ever watched any of that. Like I think (laughs) each one, like it'd be interesting to see one. When does soccer? When did would the Premier League do it? Do they just take a break in the middle of the year? Because like Kyle said, you have international break. Like there's breaks built into the season. Well, there's also yeah, but there are breaks built in the season for FIFA windows or. The breaks that you have from a league perspective are so you can play all the seventeen so, different league yeah, cups that so you have be, to play. Right. It would be because they like I think the only time they could do it is at the end of the year, and if it's a World Cup year when the World yeah, Cup's then, in June, or the Euros, yeah, or, or that you got Euros, the Cup America, yeah. or you got the whatever, whatever else. Like, it's like guys what, need a break. When do you fit? Like, when do you fit that in? And again, what's the purpose of it? Like, is it hey, let's let's get together? Um, well, what, what's going to end up happening is. Because like, England's not even a nice place to vacation. Like well, you gotta have it somewhere sunny. Well, that's nice. the thing. Well, that's the thing. That's the that's the that's where I think it's gonna go downhill for me. They're gonna end up having it at like MetLife Stadium and like no, we gotta go to Miami and do this. Whatever, thing. it doesn't matter. Wherever it is they're gonna have it, they're not gonna have it in England. They're gonna end up having it in the United States, which to me at that point defeats the entire purpose of it. Like, who cares at that point? Have it in Vegas. I don't know. Um, but this does bring up an interesting conversation, which was other the other point that t- Todd uh, Borley trying to make, we're trying to make, which is about promotion and relegation. And I wanted to bring up so the Argentinian League, which is an absolute disaster of a league the majority of the time. Uh, so the currently in the current format, which we live in right now, the Argentinian League has twenty eight teams in it, the top division. At one point, we had thirty. We stopped. Uh, we stopped relegation for two years because of COVID. <laughs> because we didn't stop promotion, just stop relegation. Yeah. Um, so, so, so now we're 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 at twenty eight teams. The idea was that in the next four years or two or three years, we we're going to go back to twenty two teams. Well, they've now proposed this new idea. So the new idea is to cancel the relegation for this for this year. So cancel relegation for 2022, promote two players from the second or promote two teams from the second division, which will bring us back up to 30. First half of the year, so do two tournaments. First half of the year, two groups of 15. You only play everybody once, but you have one cross matchup, cross matchup, which is your rivalry matchup, right? So Boca and River would be in separate in separate divisions. They'd have the Boca River game as their cross team matchup. Top four teams in each division make the playoff, quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. Second half of the season, you take the top 20 teams out of your 30 and put them in their own tournament, in their own league, 
And now you take the bottom 10. Oh, and that qualifies you the Copa Libertadores, which would be the equivalent of Champions League for 2024. Then you take your bottom 10 teams and you bring in your top 10 teams from the second division. It's just too much. There's just too and much now you on. build and hold on. Now you build a 20 team tournament, 10 teams of the second division, 10 teams on the first division. Winner qualifies for the Sudamericana, which is the equivalent of the Europa League. Bottom teams get relegated. Top teams get promoted. Like bottom teams of the first division get relegated. There's just too much movement going around there. (laughs) Whoever has to do all the, whoever's the director of it, man. Nah, it's just too much going on. So originally how, how historically Argentinian promotion and relegation has always functioned has been on. So promotion has always functioned on um, winning. Relegation has always functioned on averages. So they take the averages of your last three seasons of your winning percentage and the teams with the bottom. So it used to be the teams with the bottom two percentage or the bottom percentage always got relegated. The team with the second to last percentage did a playoff game against the second promoted team or whatever it was. Um, but it's always been a law of averages. I mean, I... so basically you could. Yeah, it's and yeah. I just think that I mean, I think again, the way England does it, bottom three go down, top three come up. And I mean, there's a playoff to get to the top to be a part of that top three. I think that's the right way. Now, if we're talking about MLS, I don't think it'll work because just the, the revenue. Like if you look at the revenue to become an MLS owner, to have an MLS team, like what your net worth has to be and all this other stuff that you need to be an owner. You don't necessarily need that for the U.S. It's not, it's not an even playing field. No. I mean, you've seen some USL teams come up and be successful in the MLS, but that's because they've been historic franchises, and I think majority of them are now MLS clubs are going to be MLS clubs in the next well, couple of years. But even in, but even that, right? Like, what in order for you to do that, who would you who would be on your like who would be your second division? What would you be relegated to? USL. But that's not the second division of MLS. What is MLS Next Pro? MLS Next yeah, Pro is technically right. the second division of MLS. Yeah, but that's that's then you run into the same problem like you have in like Spain, where you have like Barcelona B can't be in the top league. Like, you know what I mean? So I think maybe MLS Next Pro, we need I, I get the purpose of it, but maybe they need to move that to a third tier just so that teams don't get promoted. All the way so up. then the England the England method of having an under 21 league yeah which your Premier League teams have an under 1 tournament right. yeah, like team there's have... also an under 21 Champions League as well yeah and they play the same teams that well that's the same were... method in Argentina so in Argentina I think we've talked about this in Argentina it's your reserve squad plays the tournament and plays the same exact fixture as your um your first team they just play. They would. They wait. They did it this year. Is they play opposite, so they they just swap the home and away. Oh, yeah. So that way, the reserve team. So if your home team was a, if your first team was away, your your reserve team would be at home, with the idea that um, that clubs would open up their stadiums for the reserve team to play in when they were away. Right. So I mean, the concept was there. It that, that I, hasn't happened, but I think USL is definitely. The, the league you got to do it with but again like but even usl has a second division to it so i mean you're gonna create a new league it's just it's the alignment yeah yeah i mean it's but the the problem is is the country's so big that premier premier day mls (laughs) 
yeah, I don't know. It's definitely like obviously we're not going to solve the problem on this podcast, but it is interesting to talk about just because um, while people might not think the trickle down effect happens at the youth level, it does. No, hundred percent does because we we experience the same exact problems on the youth level. We just talked about where do we what what division do we put ourselves in in which league, right? So you have different leagues that are that are higher level or lower level, and then within that you don't know where you're supposed to fit in. And well, then, it'll yeah. trickle down to the youth game because if I'm if I'm a USL team, I'm gonna well forget Philadelphia Union trying to find the best player around in the area. I'm gonna go find the best player around in the area. I'm gonna stash him. Until Philadelphia Union come crawling with the the checkbook out, yeah, and then I get paid because in the back of my head, if I keep selling, 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 well, guess what? Now I'm MLS. Now I've got a bank. I can go buy an MLS player. I can go buy, you know, a guy that's retired from overseas. Bring him over, put people in the stands, and then I make my money. And then you know, I kind of reverse it, and now I start to spend money on players, and I build myself up. You know, I kind of build that capital. Yeah. And then, then you run into the problem where people are stealing players again. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's. Then you it's, run into the Freddie Adu problem because someone's going to find this like fourteen year old wonder kid and put him out there in the USL, so people buy tickets to come out there and see Freddie Adu again. Or Byron Castillo from Ecuador. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Colombia. No, where is he from? I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's probably from Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> probably from Columbia, Maryland. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we've talked about this in the podcast, but Byron Castillo is a player from Ecuador who is under investigation for potentially not being born in Ecuador and being born in Colombia. So then it would make Ecuador ineligible for the World Cup because he was rostered in different times or whatever it was. So. It's a lot of controversy. Um, a lot. Was it worth it? Is the real question. Did he make an impact on the team? When he played. But did he make an impact? Doesn't matter. He played. Did he make an impact? No, I don't disagree that he played. He should be ineligible. But like, was he worth it to the fact that like he helped you guys qualify? Like, he oh, was, was he the reason why he qualified? Like, was he worth it from an Ecuador perspective? Yeah. yeah, but then again, it's plausible. What was it uh, plausible deniability? Right? Like, what do I know? I don't know. Like, right. he just he showed me his birth certificate. It said it said Ecuador. <laughs> I don't know. It's not I my really job to it. track it down. Yeah. Did I really like did. At the end of the day, did you really need this player? Is he going to be on your final? Was he on your final twenty-three man list? I, I, who that that I don't know. That's the question. All right. Well, let's start. Let's start wrapping it up. Player of the match. Player of the match. Oh man, I got to pronounce this name again. Oh boy. Let's get let Kyle go first. A oh, player. Oh, Kyle, you said you didn't have a player of the match. No, I do. Oh, you do. Who's I, your? I just had to look it up. You got. You know, college soccer is my thing. That is college. College, college soccer, soccer is, is definitely thing. Kyle's thing. So freshman Lumi Cosmayer from Stanford records a hat trick. And a five nothing win, and her seventh goal of the season. Wow. Freshman, ninth in the country. Wow, seven goals in I believe seven uh, games, probably I think six. It's about, I think it's about seven, seven games. Goals. You haven't played more than that. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll double check. So seven goals, and we know Stanford. You know their yeah. history of producing players. Seven goals in eight games, capping it off with a hat trick. Um, that's quite a start to a college career. Good for her. Well so, done, go pro. Where's she from? She is from. Let me check real quick. Go pro. No. Start pro. You get you got a Stanford education, probably on a full ride. Let's continue. Let's, yeah. let's, let's get your it. degree and then yeah. be Cat Macario. Exactly. I mean, I mean Cat, checkbooks, checkbooks out. Cat right Macario is in France. Well, she's recovering from an ACL surgery. Yes, she surgery, is. But, but she's in France and she's from she was, she she's from Southbury, Connecticut. 
Ooh, there you go. That's out uh, JP's way, isn't it? It is. And she's right. number 33 on the roster, which you wonder, did they know what they were getting when they brought it in that player? Because if I'm bringing in a highly touted player that's scoring seven goals in eight games, I don't know that I assign a jersey uh, number who's 33. Number, well, who's number nine? What's she doing? <laughs> yeah. because, uh, <laughs> let me figure out what number nine's doing because uh, we might have to have that discussion yeah. uh, before I, I, she comes in and say, hey, listen, we got to pick a new number. My guess is... You're number 33 now? You can my, pick whatever number, but number nine's got to go. Yeah, my guess is if she returns to Stanford next year, she will not be wearing jersey number three. 33. Yeah. Shoot, be humble. Be humble. Yeah. Keep 33. Um, Scotty Pippen. Well, it's three times three is nine. There you go. <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah. Math. <laughs> uh, all right, Dwayne, who's your player of the match? My player of the match is going out to Pierre Luigi Golini, um, goalkeeper for Fiorentina. Um, this dude was juggling the ball, trying to punt it out, volley it out, and uh, turned it over and got scored on. So for all the goalkeepers <laughs> out here, Look up Pierluigi Gallini from Fiorentina. And don't do that. Don't do that. And don't do that. <laughs> because their coach held restraint. I'll probably be in front of the goal, like ripping you a new one. Um, I used to coach a team named Fiorentina in my Knoxville football club days. That's Fiorentina's bad this year. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um, he had a 3.4 match rating. Yikes. Um, below, uh, below the player that got red carded. Let's just put it like that. My, my, uh, my player of the match is... Uh, Craig Burley, he is a uh, he's a Scottish football or former Scottish football player uh, who's an analyst now for ESPN. Um, and he was asked what he thought what he thought about Todd Todd Burley in his comments about relegation <laughs> and promotion. Uh, and Craig Burley put it very nicely and said it was horse manure. <laughs> and those are the words he used. I'm not actually sugarcoating it, like or I'm not like changing the word. Like that's what he said. Uh, how do you know? Uh, how do you know? What do you know about relegation and promotion when all American sports actually reward garbage teams? Which, rightfully so, very it, true. It's yeah. very true. Usually, you want to like once you like, especially NBA teams are historically known for once you realize you're not making the playoffs, uh, you end up tanking your season so that way you can get that number one draft pick. <laughs> Shout out to John Wall, man. He made millions <laughs> being, being too old. <laughs> not even being old but just being too old too old um all right it's very true on this day in soccer history uh september 16th 1937 a couple of years ago 1937 um if i told you that the first game on television was broadcasted in 1937 would you believe me yeah, but I bet you there's probably like 50 people in this person's house <laughs> trying to watch this one television. So so in 1937, there's only a few thousand TV sets in, in England at the time, um, but they broadcasted the first football match, uh, and it was at Highbury, which was the former uh, Arsenal um, grounds, uh, and it was Arsenal playing um, the Arsenal reserves. Oh, that's whack. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a scrimmage? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Coaches out there on the field. <laughs> so that was the the first televised football match in history. That's right. Pixelated and 1930s. Black and white. Black and white. Everybody was everybody was parking their horse and buggy out front. Do you think do you think at that point Arsenal like you couldn't wear like they probably didn't wear like their red jerseys with like red kits with black kits, right? Because then no, they just probably just went white shirts versus black shirts. I was gonna say because you <laughs> yeah. can't really do that yeah. with black and white TV. Like, then we both be. <laughs> Who knows? Arsenal probably still lost like that. Both, <laughs> both teams lost. Both teams lost. 
<laughs> you have something against Arsenal that I don't they're understand. Bad. Well, they're good this year, but they're they usually just fold. And it's just funny to watch them fold. I really like their uniforms, though. They fold up just like these chairs we're sitting on every <laughs> year. <laughs> all right. Fair play of the week. Uh, all right. I'm going to go first. My fair play of the week goes out to the Spanish uh, Women's League. Um, so the Spanish uh, Federation uh, announced that they uh, finally got a deal done with the Referee Association for the Women's League. Um, they demanded higher wages, so they, they were able to do that. Um, and they're going to have this will allow women referees to gain professional status now for the women's league. Uh, so now the it will actually kick off now that the women's league will actually kick off because it's been they've been on a strike, which has been very difficult. Um, so, um, yeah, they're going to be they're going to be able to 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 do that. Um, by the way, um, so do you want to know what they used to make in comparison to what they're going to make now? So they used to make 320 uh, euros uh, for the game and 160 euros for the assistant referees. Now they're going to earn $1,600 per game and assistants will earn uh, $1,000. Yeah, it's more. That's more. Like and the fourth that. official will be paid 250 Really? Yeah. That's tough. I <laughs> deal with the coach's madness. Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. There was a game yesterday, the fourth official. I think it was a Federbachi game. The fourth official was getting his money's worth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm excited that the women's league is gonna be able to kick off so that we'll be able to watch Barcelona. Hopefully win another title. Uh, shout out to the U ten girls in Delaware Union Rec. Got a Barcelona team. You got a Barcelona team, that's right. Yeah. All right, uh, Kyle, do you have a fair play of the week? I do. Good. A little different. So fair play of the week for me goes out to our Discovery families and children, right? Taking the time. It is a commitment. You know, we forget about that. One of the There's things the we do at the end of Discovery is... Um, <laughs> oh, where, oh, the applause. Sorry. Oh. On, <laughs> so one of the things we do at the end of Discovery right. every week is, you know, show gratitude, um, you know, with our players to, you know, our families for bringing them. But it is, you know, Saturday mornings um, after a long work week um, or a long week, whatever you're doing. Um, you know, just the fact that we've got all these families willing to, you know, start their weekend with Delaware Union soccer, I think is uh, is well deserving of a fair play. There you go. Good job. Pat yourself on the back, Sebastian. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Galasso's show on uh, Paramount Plus. Um, whoa, look at that lantern fly. Um, the Galasso show. Um, so if you've got Paramount Plus and you don't have a team that's playing, uh european football awesome way to watch it it's basically the equivalent of nfl red zone i think this is the first year that they've had it because they had it last year uh, i didn't know that they had it last year but i've always been lobbying for them to have something like nfl red zone because it's just cool to just check in on the match and see what's going on different matches lots of goals there were a lot of goals being scored in the europa league yesterday and the europa conference league so it was just cool to well, it's three days of just pure goals right yeah, like tuesday just, wednesday thursday night it's just like wednesday. nfl red zone on steroids because Instead of there being, you know, eight games in action or six games in action, no, there's probably like Thursday. Thursday, like dude, there might have been 30 20, games yeah, going on yesterday. On so it was just pretty awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Learned a lot of new countries, a lot of new teams. Saw Sheriff play. The Sheriff lost. Sheriff lost. Sheriff lost. Went yeah. up against Ronaldo. Little girl from the medic. Not little girl, but girl from the medic team was trying to get a selfie with Ronaldo. And he nice. kind of like brushed her off. Oh. All right, he's well, going, he's going through some stuff. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to, shout out to Moldova. Um, what? That's the country, Moldova. Moldova, yeah. 
What did I say? Madova? Yeah, I don't know what you said. Moldova? What's the chocolate? Isn't there chocolate with that name? Too? Godiva. Godiva. Oh, that's Godiva. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's something different. Ghirardelli? <laughs> Isn't there a watch? No, that's Movado, right? Movado. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see, I, I know what I'm talking about. Things that start with M. I happen, yes. I happen to know somebody with a Movado watch. Oh, is it you? Sure was. Oh, look. Wet, wedding present. Oh, man. Ooh, Kyle. It's broken. Throw out a pause really up there nice. one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pause. There you go. There you go. Oh, wait. No, we, we have. Yes, I'm the proud owner. Yeah. I'm the proud owner of a broken Movado. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.